Emerging technologies are transforming the healthcare industry as we know it. Investors, say hello to HTech, a portfolio dedicated to capturing the significant growth potential of healthcare innovation. Learn more at roboglobal.com slash HTEC. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to episode 136 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Teporek, and today we're going to talk about the teams that got knocked out of the first round on the Eastern Conference side of the playoff bracket, namely the Miami Heat, Milwaukee Bucks, Washington Wizards, and Indiana Pacers. We will preview all the big questions awaiting them this offseason. Before we get underway, I wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles to give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. We're being hosted now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian, but I'm more concerned about your dog. Is he okay? <laughs> he, he's okay. I think he just ate some mud off the ground, and he's doing a little thing where he's trying to pretend to choke and maybe throw up, but he'll, he'll be fine. Okay, he, good. He drank some water. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids' and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 8-11 select styles excludes in-store clearance if he can get stuff down through his air pipe he's fine so so we'll we'll have a live dog death during the recording right. of this podcast yeah or yeah if, if my wife screams at me at some point it's because our dog just threw up so apologies in advance there that's i think that's a fair reasoning for being yeah. screamed at i think I, I mean that's that's a legitimate cause i would agree and yeah. speaking of dog vomit morton Let's start with the Miami Heat and Nene oh, yeah. Hassan Whiteside. Who... <laughs> nice. Love that one. That's Thank good. you. That, that's what they call a transition, folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Hassan Whiteside, uh, I mean, my God. If, if you have to give an award for, like, the worst first-round performance from any player in the playoffs, I feel like Damian Lillard would get some votes just because the expectations were so high and oh, he yeah, didn't yeah. live up to those. But at least he was on the floor, man. Like, Hassan Whiteside got mm. played off of the goddamn floor against the Sixers. He played 15.4 minutes per game in the playoffs, and he is the highest-paid player on the Miami Heat. He averaged 5 points, 6 rebounds, 1.2 blocks. Afterward, he basically continued his season-long tradition of griping about minutes and saying how, you know, he is like, just give me a chance, like play me 30 minutes. And if I suck then, at least I had a chance to get into a rhythm, but I didn't even have a chance. It's like, Hassan, Spo would have played you more if you didn't suck so badly, but you were giving them nothing on the other end of the court. So he took you off and played Kelly Olenek and Bam Adebayo, both of whom were better than you. 
So all of that begs the question, Mort, what do they do with Hassan Whiteside this summer? They, he still has, he's getting paid $25.4 million next year, has a $27.1 million player option in 2019-20. Feels like we're trending to a Carmelo Anthony-esque uh, in OKC. Like, are, can you make him unhappy enough where he opts out of a contract that he has no chance of matching on the open market? I'm going to actually bring up a trade idea. Oh, okay. Please. I, I'm Every Heat fan just got very excited that's listening to this podcast. Oh, but they shouldn't be. They <laughs> oh, really no. shouldn't be. So oh, he, no. here's the thing. It, it's, yeah, obviously he's signed for a longer term. Mm-hmm. So if they just get someone who's also overpaid. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, no. You know, they well, they, they are not going to get something good. Right. So I'm thinking about a package centered around Jan Mahinmi. Oh, okay. Because he's on a shorter deal. And, you know, Lord knows Miami loves to pay big salaries to role players. Yeah, I think they're actually... I think they are signed for the same amount of time. Assuming, again, that um, Whiteside picks up his player option, which I assume he would. But, yeah, Mahinmi's only making... 15.9 15.9 million in 2018-19 and then 15.5 well, just in see I actually Oh, wait a second. See, I'm just misremembering because Hassan signed in 2016. Yeah. Gortat for some reason only signed for one more right. year. Right. Yeah. Okay. My mistake. I was actually mis- misremembering. I thought he signed last year, 2017. Oh, but you no. know what? Those last two summers, they were just <laughs> yeah. They're all the same. They're all the same. Um <laughs> So, so that's on me. Obviously, they signed for the same amount of years, but so much that, less. That, much less. Term, so yeah. that, but but that means that my trade proposal here is dead either way. So because they should be focused on finding a short term deal, or a yeah, deal man. that's on shorter term. That's just not going to happen. I think that. I mean, they could. We'll talk about the Wizards later on in this episode. And John Wall made some very pointed comments about what they need. Uh, which led our friend Nikaias Duncan to suggest that they should go after Hassan Whiteside. But they could, you know, flip a Marcin Gortat, who is only signed for one more year. Mm-hmm. Like that, If you're looking for a shorter-term deal, that's at least something um, worth pursuing. But I, I think you're right. right but overall, Washington can't absorb the rest of that deal, yeah, though. So should right. it be Jan Mahimi and Marcin Gortat so you take, like, a lesser amount back long-term? It's not a bad idea. I, I think if you're the Wizards, I mean, again, we'll talk about the Wizards and how yeah, yeah. how capped out they are. It's going to be a common theme, really, for three of the four teams that we talk about in this episode mm. is they're really in bad salary cap space, or salary cap shape, I should say. So, right. like, the Heat right now have $116 million in guaranteed salary on their books for next year. The set, the luxury tax is projected to be 123 million, so like they this is what they have like this is this is who they're gonna ride with next year. So like yeah, if, if you're looking about looking for ways to really shake up their roster, <clears throat> I mean the the white side trade is probably the way you get there. But I think you're right. You're not getting like a top ten pick for Hassan Whiteside. You're not getting a top ten pick for a guy who couldn't stay on the floor in the first round. You know, for a guy who openly feuded with his coach for most of the season and really, you know, had a very public meltdown at the end of the regular season where 
It was that Brooklyn Nets game where he's like, this is bullshit. Why are we matching up and going small? Like, because Hassan, you can't guard stretch fives. Like, that's yep. Brett Brown immediately. It took him a half to recognize that. He switched Ersan Ilyasova into the starting lineup in the second half of game five, which led to that blowout second half and blowout victory. So, I mean, it's a problem. Like, I, I don't want to say that Hassan Whiteside is completely, like, hopeless because I think there are roles that he can fill well. He is still a good oh, rebounder. Yeah. He's a good shot blocker. He just needs to, like, play. He needs to know his role, basically. Like, and he can score. Yeah. Like, but you've got to give him that. I mean, Right. No, I mean, yeah. yeah. He averaged 14 points a game during the regular season in only 25 minutes. But he seems to want to, like, he made comments throughout that first-round series about how the Sixers were, like, feeding Embiid so much. It's like, yeah, because he can step out and hit threes, and he can hit mid-range shots. Like, Mm. Hassan wants to be this guy who, like, his entire team is centered around, and I just don't think he's that type of a scorer, whereas a guy like an Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid or, you know, even a Christoph Porzingis, like, yeah, those guys should be being fed the way they are. Right. But, I mean, Hassan Whiteside... You know he 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 just no like I no, yeah right you can run an offense through him is what you're saying right or I mean yeah. you can it just isn't going to be a very good offense <laughs> right but that's the same thing right yeah no I hear you I hear you yeah yeah and I think that's the problem with this situation in particular is Kelly Olynyk and Bam Adebayo seem to be better fits for what Eric Spolestra wants to run moving forward so. This headache isn't going away for Miami. Like, this was a particularly bad first-round matchup for them because Embiid was such a mismatch, and then Mm. Ilyasova as well. Like, Philly had a bunch of stretch fives they could roll out. Not every team has that luxury, of course. But, I mean, Hassan Whiteside, if he doesn't embrace what he is versus what he isn't, and he continues to have this inflated sense of himself... Like it, he's this is still going to be a headache the mm-hmm. Heat have to deal with moving forward, right? So and and there's really nothing to do about it. I mean, other than see if you can find a trade partner, right? And yeah. and he, what's going to complicate matters is Miami doesn't even have like their pick this year. Yeah, so they right. can't offer that as a sweetener because that is going to Phoenix. Yep, and then they owe their 2021 first-round pick to Phoenix as well, which also complicates matters. Mm-hmm. Like You could at least trade the 2019 pick after this year's draft, because if they... Right? Because they wouldn't... I don't think they owe another one until the 2021 pick, so I think Stepien rule, they would at least be able to do that. Yeah, but, but, but the question is, should they? Right, like, do you want... <laughs> is it worth trading a first-round pick to get rid of Hassan Whiteside, or do you just hope he, you know, he's just so miserable after this, this year that he does decline that player option in 2019-20? So, it's it's a really interesting... 27 million, though. I know, right. It's it, I, I'm getting very similar Carmelo Anthony vibes. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's I'd say that's the biggest decision they have this summer. Like, what happens with Hassan Whiteside? But that said, again, they have 116 million already guaranteed, so that leaves them or 116.25, 
which leaves them $6.75 million without factoring in a Jordan Mickey, who they have a team option on, or Rodney Magruder, who they have, he's at $1.5 million non-guaranteed. So not including those two, you're at $6.75 million. Wayne Ellington is a free agent. Do you think he, they, are they going to have the financial wherewithal to retain him, or do you think he's probably just going to be a casualty unless they find... Oh, casualty. Yeah. He's too good of a shooter not to be. Yeah. I mean, it would be a minor miracle if he's back. I know he loves the team. I know he got his shot there. Mm-hmm. But I think someone else throws significant coin at him. I would and agree. honestly, he's going to be the primary reason why they probably going to decline a little bit next year. If he's not there, like, yeah, you extend the minutes to Josh, Josh Richardson, but mm-hmm. you still need that spot-up shooter in, in Wayne Ellingson. Who's that going to be? Dion Waiters? Give me right. a break. I know. I was going to ask. Like they, That was their one big absence in that first-round series. Dion Waiters got hurt much early in the year, missed most of the season. Do you think he would have made a huge difference? No. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, look. <laughs> no, I, here's the thing. The the name Dion Waiters carries more weight than his game does. I mean, he played well in 2016-2017 for them. Yeah, he did. Like, and then he this year, almost, he came in. Yeah, I know. But he shot I mean, almost 40% from three on 4.7 attempts per game last and year. And that went down 9 yeah. percentage points. <laughs> right. <laughs> Therein lies, yeah, that he shot under 40 from th- overall and then 30.6 right. from three this year. So The, the problem yeah. with him, though, it's it's pretty simple as as far as I'm concerned. He can't play the one. Yeah, I mean he is so shoehorned into being like a pure shooting guard. Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing, he's not really that good of a shooter. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, outside of last year, which looks like the outlier. It does. Yeah. And, well, you know he I I think that he did shoot 37 percent in his sophomore season. So mm-hmm. I think his career average of 34% is pretty fair. Okay. But that's yeah. still below league average. Right, yeah. That's not ideal for it, a two-guard in particular. Right, and he's just he's one of those guys who's who has to take 18 shots to score 19 points. Yeah, <laughs> right. And like, so, yeah. The Heat do have, I mean, not only do they have Goran Dragic, but they have Tyler Johnson. Josh Richardson can play a little bit on the ball as well. Justice Winslow... You know he showed he showed me some things in that first round series. Like I'm buying some property on Justice Winslow Island because I think it's still pretty vacated. But yeah, but you would have to share with Bill Simmons, and I'm not sure you want to do that. <laughs> that's that's fair. I probably don't want to do that. And yeah, he's going to be an interesting case too because he becomes eligible for an extension this summer. <laughs> More money, <laughs> role players. Right. So do you think? Yeah. I mean. The extension wouldn't kick in until 2019-2020, so right. that he wouldn't have to worry about you know paying like an exorbitant amount of luxury tax next year. But that said, in 2019-20, they have Hassan with $27.1 million player option, right. Brian Dragic with $19.2 million player option, Tyler Johnson with a $19.2 million player option. So they only All have... Opting in. All right. they, <laughs> they only have forty nine point five million in guaranteed salary on the books, but you add those three guys in, and that goes up really quickly. So, oh, yeah. do you think justice? They just say, you know, wait it out. We're, we'll let you test restricted free agency in twenty nineteen. Yes, 
Yeah. <laughs> that would be the play, wouldn't it? Yeah. I th- I mean if you can get him to a very you know, if you lowball him and you get him to agree to like ten million a year, yeah. I, I think I'll, that's where you do that. But, yeah, but I mean what what are the odds? Right. Short of that, yeah. you you probably make him. What's fun though, ten million a year prior to this season, that would have been a joke because he looked right. really bad. Yeah. He yeah. I know. Really, really bad. Yeah. So ten, I, I mean, I would even go as far as saying ten million isn't even lowballing him all that much because all we've really seen is is a playoff series where he started to figure things out. Yeah, I'm I'm not so sure that that's lowballing him necessarily. I might start at eight. Yeah, yeah. I I it's you know I was most impressed with him as basically he played like their backup point guard role and he mm. I mean he played Markel Fultz off the floor in that series like he was he dominant in transition yeah so if that's a thing moving forward I don't know it, it's it's like an interesting way to get the most out of him that I would not have expected coming into that series but he well, played I mean you saw him at Duke though right yeah but like I also saw his first three years in the NBA. Yeah, but but I mean, I think I was kind of hoping this would happen eventually. I was mm. wondering why Miami didn't give him that role before. Yeah. I mean, at Duke, he was handling the ball a lot more. He was just featured Yeah, a lot more in their offense. Then he comes to the Heat, and they kind of put him to the side. And then he gets right. injured. Like, it was just never... It was never a cohesive relationship he had with Miami until the playoffs this year, out of nowhere. And now we are, which happens once in a while, we have to look at his game and go, oh, is he a lot better? We're basing right. it on a five-game sample. <laughs> right, right, right. And, like, to his credit, I mean, he missed most of last season with a, a shoulder injury and a wrist injury or something like that. Yeah, he only played 18 games. Yeah, but he yeah. shot... I mean, below 30% from three-point range in each of his first two seasons. He was at 38% this year. So it it yep. felt like they tried to shoehorn him, at least at first, into a 3 and D role. And then, you know, ultimately they hoped he would follow the career arc of a Kawhi Leonard or a Jimmy Butler and, like, round out his game. And we haven't, you know, he's not anywhere near those guys just yet. But based on what I saw in the playoffs, like, I don't think it's unreasonable to think he could factor into this Heat team long-term. Like, I, I think, yeah. you know, Zach Lowe of ESPN has been banging the Josh Richardson is Miami's best player drum, and I agree with that. Oh, yeah, but, he's not wrong. Yeah, but, like, I think Justice Winslow is going to be coming up in that territory pretty quickly. Is Am I wrong, or is Justice Winslow on the way to becoming the new Alpha Rugamino? Hmm. And that's, that's not a bad. Comp. Yeah. Like that's not a bad. I mean, people will listen to that and go, "Oh, are you you're really low on justice?" No, no, right. not Alvarez. Uh, Rigamino is a good player. Yeah. And and he really came into his own playing the four in Portland. Right. And Winslow played the four a fair amount here in Miami this year, mm-hmm. where he kind of rediscovered himself. Yep. Like, I, I I feel that's sort of a fair way to look at it and go if he's going to top out as Alf Rogamino I mean that's fine it's yeah. not it's not franchise altering but it's, that's certainly not a bad player to have right I think a lot of the the problem with Winslow at least in terms of perception is it 
you, you can blame Danny Ainge, basically. And you look back to the 2015 draft when he reportedly mm. offered six draft picks, including four first-rounders, to Charlotte oh, yeah. at number nine. They were going after Winslow. Charlotte said no. The Heat took him at 10. We don't know whether Ainge made that same trade offer to the Heat that he did to Charlotte, but in the back of my mind, it's always like, oh, you know, Justice Winslow is the guy who Danny Ainge was trying to offer four first-round picks for. So we need to live up to that type of... Like we don't right. know what the protections were on those picks, whatever. No, no, but, but it's still a heavy price. Right. So I think that is like... It's always just in the back of your mind. It's like, you know, he's not... If You're right. If he turns into an Al Farouk Aminu, that's a, a quality role player over the past, what, like, you know... Three, have, four seasons. Yeah. So, which is fine, because I think... Uh, I want to say Aminu was around that same draft range, like eight, eight. So there you go. Yeah, he was drafted even, yeah. drafted even higher. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's fine. I mean, the thing we saw with Amino this year was playmaking at the four. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, look, we've seen that with Draymond. Yeah, we have as well. I mean, yeah. if Winslow can become just like a fraction of Draymond. That has to be considered a win, and Lord knows Miami needs more play ca- playmaking from other positions than the point guard position with Goran Dragic. Like right. you kind of thought Tyler Johnson would become a more stable playmaker. Mm-hmm. I I think that could still happen to a point, but I'm not as confident in that as I was before. Yeah, forget about Dion Waiters ever becoming a playmaker. <laughs> right, right. Uh, he's a playmaker for himself, and that's it. Yeah. So now if you have that. You know, release valve in in Justice Winslow. You can pass it to who mm-hmm. can create something on his own, uh, or, or sorry, create opportunity by himself, but for others. I should say that's suddenly a new layer to Miami's offense that might become very necessary because they are so limited. Well, and I mean, James Johnson averaged almost four assists per game too. But if you James, can, that's that's correct. Yeah. But if you can run the same offense with either Johnson or Winslow at the floor. Or at the four, I should say. Like when Johnson is off the floor, and if you put Winslow at the four, oh, like a carbon copy, yeah, right, yeah. If if you can just run the same sets, that's a big win for Miami. Like it's it is. That's not good if you have to like run two different offenses when a James Johnson is either on or off the floor. So especially if he brings the defense too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. No, you're right. That's a good point. That's a really good point. That he should model himself after James. And potentially Amino, like improve the mm-hmm. shooting range, improve improve the volume of it, uh, get some more ball handling down, and focus on defense. That mm-hmm. I mean, that could he could turn into something. Yeah, because I I mean that's ultimately this is what the problem that we said going into that series with Philly is is they lack the type of top end talent that you often need in the playoffs. They had a bunch of like B to B plus role players. Mm. I mean, I know Gordon Dragic was an All Star this year, but Ben Ben Simmons put that to rest during the first round, I think. I'm pretty sure he's still a little salty about that one. Um, And then Whiteside, you know, your highest paid player just plays like total garbage. But, you know, James Johnson, Deion Waiters, Kelly Olenek, Tyler Johnson, all those guys are good. Josh Josh Richardson, Dwayne Wade had his one Dwayne Wade game. Like, all those guys are good, but you don't have, like, that one true star. Winslow, I guess, is probably your highest upside player on the roster. So, yeah. And, and out of bio too, actually. I mean, he, he showed some real flashes this year. He looks like, 
I think what he was number fourteen overall last year. I mean, he's looking yeah. like a, if if not a steal, at least a very good value in that range. So, well, I I like Adebayo, but I need to sh- I need to see some range. Yeah, I yeah. mean because he is going, look, he's going the white side route if he's just active around the rim. He would have mm. to become an absolute defensive beast. Yeah, or a Clint Capella copy. To, to, to actually break that pattern mm-hmm. because he's not a strong scorer. He's not a strong shooter yet. I love what he's doing, and, and I love the fact that you can pluck him into the mid-range area and he'll even make passes that the mm-hmm. Sun White side would, could never do. But I, I I feel I need to see a little bit more before I, I buy property on, on Adebayo Island. That's fair. That's fair. Ultimately, I guess my question with Miami is, given their salary cap structure, assuming they don't find the taker for Whiteside mm-hmm. this summer... Are they basically locked into like is this is what we saw this year their ceiling like yeah forty to forty five wins yeah first round knockout yeah even with Dion back yeah yeah I, I think so too which it sucks but this is what we were afraid of you know oh, last we, summer we said this we right. talked about this last summer I remember because they signed I think it was James Johnson Kelly Olynyk and, and Dion and Dion Waiters on the same day. Yeah, and it was like James Johnson was some. I think he was four years, sixty million. Yeah, I want to say Dion was four. four I, years I have 52. I have it here. Hang on, I have okay. it right here. Yeah, yeah. James Johnson was sixty. Dion Waiters was fifty-two, and Kelly Olynyk was, was fifty million. 50. Yeah. So that's one hundred two. That's one hundred sixty-two million spent on one day, <laughs> right? On four-year contracts, and we were just blown away by the fact that they got such long-term deal, long-term deals. Right. Yeah. That's still not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's going to be interesting to see where this Heat team goes this summer. I'm excited to track some Hassan Whiteside trade rumors. Mm -hmm. Let's now flip word to the Milwaukee Bucks, who put up a hell of a fight against the Celtics, but ultimately fell short. I mean, I feel like the Bucks don't have as many questions as the Heat. There are really two gigantic ones. Mm. First... They need a head coach. I think Joe Prunty definitively proved he is not that person. So who should they be going after? Mike Budenholz. Yep. <laughs> okay. So we agree there. Yep. Why, why do you think Bud's the right guy <laughs> for that team, though? And by the way, I, I would just like to say this wasn't rehearsed. No, I didn't know no. who you had. No, it was most <laughs> certainly Mike Budenholzer. <laughs> well, I, I just he comes from the pop coaching tree. I think he did yeah. well in Atlanta, even though he was given a, a pretty crap roster to work with for the last year. Yeah. Um, he loves well, to like share his, the ball. His early time with with that team, like they, you know, that first year he got there, they were thirty eight and forty four. The next year they were mm-hmm. sixty and twenty two. That was the the yeah. like entire Atlanta Hawks starting five all star year. Oh yeah, no, I've, I've he's, I'm more or less talking about you know how people perceive him because oh, yeah. in the NBA it's a what have you done for me lately crowd right right and right. people would look at hey look if if he was that good how could he not lead, lead uh, Dennis Schroeder and John Collins <laughs> to a better right. and Dwayne Dedman to a better record but like no that team was crap and yeah. that's not his fault right you him lost Al Horford the... and Paul Millsap for nothing that's that's really and Jeff Teague yeah oh no right. Teague was in in Indiana right for a year uh yeah, no. yeah yeah okay, but right okay, yeah he just makes sense. Yeah, 
he has the right makeup. He has the right profile. He's he's a guy who communicates in a way that is pretty down to earth, and he's mm-hmm. not like a tipsy and screamer. <laughs> right, right. And he used to play ball in Denmark, so yeah, yeah. Budenholzer. There so you obviously, go. obviously, yeah. right. Obviously, yeah. he knows the game. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I mean, I I think based on his time, you're right. Like this last year was not great in Atlanta, but it's also not his fault. I think he mm. proved himself during his first four seasons with the Hawks. I think they were pretty well coached. Like I, I don't think when they lost in any series, you went and like immediately blamed the coaching. Whereas this uh, Bucks series, this Bucks Celtic series, I a hundred percent blame the coaching. Like with a yeah. better coach on their sideline, they could have won that series. And I remember you and I on Twitter were joking like because Bud officially got, uh, they like a, agreed mutually agreed upon his exit from the Hawks mm. after Celtics uh, Bucks game five, and we were saying like, can the Bucks hire him before game six? Like, is it too yeah. late? To... <laughs> Which well, and I still kind of wonder that. Yeah. No. I look. That was fun. That's a true point. I I just want to say real quick that Joe Prunty. I mean, I feel bad. He was thrown yeah. into this mix. I mean, yeah. he's taking a lot of heat on social media. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's fair when you're thrown into that position. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's look, it's fair. It's not been good. Yeah. But this does not mean that Prunzi's a bad coach. We we don't have enough data on him yet. Right. We just know right. that right now he was just a little bit overwhelmed. And yeah. you know what? You're allowed to. It's yeah. the NBA and yeah. a head coaching position. You're allowed to be overwhelmed. That's that, that's what it is. Okay. That's that's a fair yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. It, it, this is not. We're not saying Prunty should never coach in the NBA again. Just this was not the right situation for him. Exactly, and and yeah, Budenholzer just makes so much sense. Yeah, so much sense there with Giannis. Oh my God, Giannis under Bud. Oh my God, I know. Or rather, that mil. I mean. Uh, Chris Middleton. I was about to say Hassan yeah. Whiteside. I'm drunk. Um, Chris Middleton under Bud. Yeah, I I know. Like they. Ooh. That's the thing. Milwaukee talent wise should be feeling pretty good about itself because you've got Giannis yeah. signed through 2020 21. Middleton and Bledsoe are each signed through next year. Middleton has a 13 million dollar player option in 2019 that he, if he doesn't decline that option. Uh, oh yeah. Oh my God. No no he, mercy. he will. But you, yeah, you also have John Henson through 2019-2020. You've got Thon Maker uh, through 2019-2020 as well. Like You've got most of your core guys, except for one in particular who we'll talk about. Oh, Malcolm Brogdon's also signed through next year. Hmm. Um, so you got most of your core guys at least through next year, if not a little bit further, in particularly in Giannis's case. So yeah, like in terms of roster construction... I mean, they don't. They're not going to have cap space to really add anyone of consequence. They're going to have, depending on what happens or what they do with Jabari Parker, they'll either have the probably the non-taxpayer mid-level exception if they re-sign Jabari, possibly the mid, the taxpayer mid-level exception. Mm. So they won't have a lot of cap space to round out their bench. But like talent-wise, with the right coach, they could be. I, I mean, I think most of us coming to the year had them pegged as a top four team in the East. They aren't that far away. That leads us to, though, Jabari Parker is a restricted free agent this summer. Uh, 
how do you think? First of all, before we even talk about how much they should be willing to spend, do you think they should be trying to retain him at all? I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm really not sure. I, I think he improved upon his playoff series. Like we actually talked about him yep. a couple weeks ago, and I was we were both really down on him because he had played horrifically. Yeah, those first two games he was brutal. Yeah. And he came back and did well. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was way more active, way more engaged, and he looked to be a little bit more locked in defensively. Yep. So there's some upside there. The injury concerns are major concerns. Two yeah. ACL tears in the same knee. And you also have to wonder, is there room for him mm-hmm. if Middleton and Giannis are going to take most of the wingman positions? I mean, it's... Yep. Because Parker can't really play center, and I don't. No. I, I know we talk about Giannis at the five, but I don't know. I don't. I'm not ready to go that that at, to that point yet. Yeah. So I, maybe you do the whole nanny thing again. Sign him to trade him later. Right. Yep. Or the, or the Blake Griffin, as it will now forever be known. I did not, it will now be known as the Blake Griffin. Right. Yeah. I I think that's a thing because if you then resign mm-hmm. him. You, you might be able to get him on a reasonable deal. Yeah. Uh, and if you do that and he you give him a shit ton of minutes next season and he does well, then at the deadline you can actually look at the possibilities coming in. Like, oh, hey, Jabari is playing well. Let's hype up his trade value and maybe you get something good for him. And then you take a good package. You wipe the sweat off your forehead. And you go, whew, he didn't break down. And we got <laughs> right. something in returns that right. we can use to build around Giannis and Chris Middleton. Yeah. I agree with that approach. I think, I mean, he's still a number two overall pick, so you don't want to lose him for nothing. Um, I wouldn't, if I'm Milwaukee, I am most certainly not offering him a max deal myself. I'm saying, I'm saying go out into the market and, you know, we we're open to matching offer sheets, but, you know, I would probably lowball him if I'm Milwaukee, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And see what the market dictates for him, because I, I mean, the teams. I guess Chicago is a potential threat, just because the Bulls have a lot of cap space this summer. Oh, but, and Lord knows they love their torn ACLs, <laughs> right? And there isn't he a Chicago native? He is a Chicago native, so it it's all the criteria are just. Oh no, wait a second, he's not thirty four. Wait, <laughs> yeah, right. But they need someone from Chicago on their roster at all times, so they can who has a, from a Chicago knee, who yeah, has right. knee injuries, obviously. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, because D Wade too. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I guess that's a possibility. But like we, I mean, we've talked about it before. We're gonna say a hundred times between now and July. There just aren't that many teams with a lot of salary cap space. And maybe he's at the point where he doesn't really care. And he's just like, all right, just, you know, he's in the cash that checks mode. And he just wants to take the biggest deal he can find. But, like, if he wants to go to a team that's going to be in the playoffs, uh, I mean. Then uh, what about the James Johnson contract as a blueprint? Like a four-year $60 million? Yeah. I, I think that's reasonable for both sides. I, I would assume that Parker's people would push back on that, and maybe maybe you do something more like what Embiid and the Sixers did, where you only partially guarantee X amount, like 50%, and then if he has 
more injury issues down the line, you can get out of it, like specifically knee issues. But yeah, I mean, I, I think a year ago, Parker was talking about himself as a max player and he was coming off of a season, or like this was before his second injury. And he's coming off of a 50 game sample size where he averaged 20 points on 49% shooting. Mm. Like he yeah, looked he was, like he did well. He looked like mellow, but efficient. <laughs> so, so, I mean, he, he's rightfully going to be bummed, I think by his, the offers he gets this summer. But as you said, two ACL tears in the same knee, like there is, yeah, I mean, very you gotta safeguard yourself. <laughs> right, right, right. So there's, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be fascinating. I think he's one of the most interesting free agents, you know, outside of LeBron and Paul George. Like outside of the big name guys, he's really one of the more interesting free agents this summer. Right? Like right. this whole restricted free agent class, really. Like Aaron Gordon, Julius Randle as well. Like Zach Levine. Yeah, oh, I have God. no they idea. Are, what... No, they're so tough. They yeah. are so tough at figuring out. Like I'm. I, I know that they're going to get big paychecks, mm-hmm. but I think half of them are going to end up overpaid. Like Marcus Smart, oh, Jabari yeah. Parker, and Seth Levine are oh, the three yeah. guys that I expect to completely be overpaid by perverse degrees. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, anything else we need to hit on with Milwaukee more? Should we move on? Well, I, I just wanted to say that ultimately Milwaukee's long-term goal mm-hmm. should be to... For somehow hang on to Chris Middleton, like maybe yeah. offer him an extension that's just too good to pass up, mm-hmm. and Giannis, of course, and Thon Maker. If those three guys are retained, mm-hmm. you could you could make something work. I yeah. think those are the three key people on the on the roster that you just hang on to, and then you're open to moving everybody else. That would be a retooling process and not a rebuilding process. Yeah, I agree with that. Um... Oh, maybe maybe Malcolm Brockton. I'm not sure yet. He's kind of old for a Rookie guy. Rookie of the year, Malcolm Brockton. Yeah. How dare you? Well, look, he's he's actually he's good. I mean, yeah. he is. Let's not. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> no, I agree with you. He should never. But he's already 25. Yeah, he's yeah. old, and I, I mean, you're getting him in the prime years when he re-ups. But like, that, that, that's a one contract player. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think part of the problem for Middleton is I don't think they can offer him enough money and an extension to convince him to re-sign. Like, they can re-sign him when he becomes a free agent next year, mm. but I don't think they, they're they going to be able to do, like, what the Sixers did with Covington this year and you know, yeah, make it get work. him locked in before. Yeah. Like I, I, I think you're right. I think he's going to become a free agent in 2019, and then... Yeah, maybe he really likes his time there, and he likes playing with Giannis, and that's cool. But maybe he wants to join the Sixers and actually compete for championships. So yeah, but you guys are probably going to have Paul George by then. So yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to the Wizards then, and we're, we oh, got to start. We have to. We got to start with the annual John Wall throwing his teammates under the bus because, uh, yeah, he says, he says the Wizards need athletic bigs quote unquote he he was talking uh about you know what they need to add this offseason he said quote they just need to got to add some pieces a lot to be honest there's a lot that we could use i think it's pretty obvious i don't think we need to point it out i think the league the way the way the league is going you need athletic bigs you need scoring off the bench you need all of those types of things we don't really have an athletic big and he was referring to mahimi and gortat 
I mean, both of those guys are older, they're not athletic, but they do the little things that permit their game to help as much as possible. That's not great. And this is now the second straight season where he has, like last year he kind of put Otto Porter on blast right before mm-hmm. you know that he was like actively recruiting Paul George in a trade. Um, and he was like, yeah, you know, we're set at point guard and shooting guard and power forward and center and like, all due, all due respect to Otto, he did well, but we need a third star. Which is basically yeah. just like, okay, well, Otto's about to be a free <laughs> agent, so how's that going to go? And now, yeah. you know, you look at the Wizards, much like the Heat, they are just in salary cap hell forever. Like, they they right. don't have, they have $115.9 million in guaranteed salary on the books. Jason Smith and Jody Meeks, if both of those guys opt into their player options... That's already you're already in the luxury tax. So, mm. what do you see the the Wizards doing to improve their roster, Mort? Well, first and foremost, you actually had an athletic big on the roster. You just didn't play him, Chris McCullough. Mm. I I I believe in this kid. Still, he's 23 now, so I think I was kind of surprised that he didn't get a chance. He's got mm. great size. He's six eleven. He's really slender and agile and quick can block shots, he can actually shoot threes. Like he has the makings of a small scale unicorn. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel as though Washington explored him enough. Mm. And I think that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Having said that, what John Wall refers to are established stars. Established yeah. bigs. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you can't you can't go out and get one of those you know, signing them off in free agency because you don't have the money. Like right. you would have to acquire them through trades and I'm not sure how the hell you do that. Like then we would have to go back to the whole, you know, white side to to Washington idea. Yeah. Off of, you know, a an idea with Marching Gortat and Jan Mahimi, but like then the playoffs roll around, then what? Like right. White side is gonna be the same guy. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. The, yeah. here's the thing. They need they need to they have the fifteenth pick in the draft. Yeah. They need to swing for the fences here. They need to go out and find the most athletic guy that they can get, who who's also one of the youngest guys, and mm-hmm. then hope that they can mold him. Yeah. That's I mean, don't go safe in this draft, Washington. Swing yeah. for the fences. That is your one chance of getting out of this medium ranging thing you're in where you just <laughs> mediocrity all the time. Right. Like you're a fine playoff team, you know, a first-round playoff team, potentially a second-round playoff team, but that's it. Like, the ceiling is is there. We see the ceiling. Yeah. And you need to find a way to lift that ceiling, and that is going out and getting someone who, down the line, but not next year, could become, like, a starting-caliber center or power forward who can change the, the face of the franchise. So... The fate there, of the franchise. Are there any guys in that range that you think are capable of doing that? Yes. One, and again, did not plan this because you sent me a link to CBS Sports mm-hmm. um, with John Wall's comments. And that article actually goes on to mention Mitchell Robinson. That was one of the guys I was thinking about. Oh, there you go. So that's pretty fitting. He's he is a little bit older than I thought because he didn't play college ball. I thought he he's already twenty. I thought he was you know nineteen, an early nineteen. So he's twenty already. But 
you'll live with that because the skill set is quite fantastic. And he's yeah. athletic and he would fit the bill pretty well. He's got a long wingspan. Like, there's a lot to like. So you mm-hmm. take that and you see what you can get. But he is still a project. He's not going to be ready next year. He's not going to be ready the year after. Mm-hmm. So John Wall is going to crab on somebody for two years and you just <laughs> right. got to take it. Right, right. Another guy who I thought might be like Robert Williams from A&M because he was mentioned. Robert Williams, yeah. He, he was mentioned as like a top five pick last year if he had come out. And then that's right. the, the same thing happened where, you know, if, if a prospect comes back and doesn't show immediate improvement, Mm-hmm. He started slipping down draft boards a little bit, but yeah, he. I, I like or John Jay Porter. Yeah, I mean all those guys. Yeah, I mean you're right. I think that's the Wizards for once should not sell their draft picks like they always do. They oh, should yeah. actually pick a player because like yeah, this is that is your one way to answer John Wall's request to get athletic bigs. But mm. outside of that, like you know, he also wanted bench scoring and players who can create off the dribble, and it's like John. Look at, look, you know, they need to sit him down for CBA school and teach him, like, right. when you're making X amount of money, Bradley Beal and Otto Porter are making X, and the, the Mahimi deal is a killer for them. And I don't, you know, maybe he's tradable if you can find, you know, go back to your white side idea. Like, if you can find a guy who's equally out of favor somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But right. other than that... I mean, it's just tough to see how this roster improves all that much outside of, you know, if they're willing to pay the tax, you can throw out the taxpayer middle-level exception. You can get some guys on minimum deals. But, you know, like Mike Scott played well for them. They got him on a minimum deal. But is he willing to come back and do that again? I don't know. So, yeah. I'm just going to ask you a question here, which is going to change the entire tone of the conversation. Okay. Let's assume the Magic gets a top three pick. Mm-hmm. Do you actually offer that to Washington and you tell them, you damn well know that you're not going to want to pay John Wall that money. <laughs> right. And we need a point guard. Mm-hmm. And we need to restart our entire franchise here. We, we're we going to retain Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. We're going to retain... Evan Fournier, you know, he's under contract, but, I mean, we're not going to trade him. Right, 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 right. We're going to bring John in. He's going to be the face of the franchise. He's going to have the athletic big. He's going to have some shooters. Mm -hmm. And then we roll our dice. Like, if you're Washington, do you do that? Well, I think part of the problem, I'm pretty sure, is Wall won't be eligible to be traded until... I think it's the one-year anniversary of his... Oh, the poison pill? Well, just the one-year anniversary of his contract extension agreement, which was July 26th. Oh, well, that does, that does complicate matters. Yeah. That, I mean, th- that said, you could you have could, a deal in place. Right, right, right. So you could agree to that and then just delay it for a month, which... Which would be I, hell of awkward, but that's fine. <laughs> right, right, right. But No, but okay, then just... Let's assume that that's the thing. Do you do it? Hypothetically, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it depends. Just, just for the for the listener out there, just so the listener can follow along. Mm. Like John Wall is going to earn, oh yeah, forty seven million when he's thirty two years old. Yeah, forty seven million at the age of thirty two. Yep. 
I know. It's an enormous contract. Yeah, it's like four years close to $170 million. Extension, right. Right, Yeah. right. So, yeah, next year he's still at 19.2, and then the big one kicks in in 2019-20. So, yeah, I mean, it's not... It's not a ridiculous thing to at least consider, I would say. Now, whether they would actually go ahead and make that deal would depend on what else. You know, if it's just like, if it, it if you said like Orlando gets a top three pick, if it's just like number three straight up or like just whatever to make salaries match, you know, like take back Bismack Biombo and just get all of these clunky bigs from the summer of 2016, uh, you're probably not doing that just because I think if if Washington's doing that deal, they're take they're going after Luka Doncic, right? Well, I mean, he's going number one probably, so that's that's probably not going to fly. I think what they go for is just getting out of John's contract and getting mm. a a very solid player in yeah. return. Whether it's Aiton or Jaron Jackson or something, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that just has to be the focus. And I'm looking at Orlando's payroll right now I mean yeah you would probably have to throw in Terrence Ross mm-hmm. which but that's is a, fine yeah because that's only a one year commitment Yeah. so the thing is what I want to see in the end game for Washington is the cap relief ultimately yeah because mm-hmm. right and we've we've said this I mean really since the auto porter signing but now especially since uh, Wall's extension when you're building around a big three like that, you know, right. in 2019, 2020, Otto's getting paid 27 million. Beal's getting paid 27 million. Wall is getting paid 37.8 million. The cap <laughs> is projected at 108 million for next season, which is subject to change. But, mm-hmm. you know, Otto and Beal alone are 54. Wall. Jan Mahin made 15 and a half. Right. Like those four guys alone, they, with just those four guys. Are basically at the salary cap already, right? So, like, so now you let's remove John Wall from the equation. Then you have fifty-four million combined mm-hmm. for Bradley Beal and Otto Porter. You would have a guy on a rookie deal at that point. The guy you yep. get from in a Wall trade, mm-hmm. like that's suddenly a different foundation. Yeah, I know. I, I I think it is completely reasonable to say they should explore trades for. For Wall in particular, and this is not saying John Wall, the Wizards are better without John Wall, which was oh, the, no, na- no. the narrative right after uh, he got hurt. I don't think that's correct. No. But that said, you're right. Like The Wizards are better without paying John Wall $37.8 million in 2019-2020 if it means they literally can't get any players outside of like their first-round picks, which are not going to be high enough to really change the course of this franchise or salary cap exceptions, which are not going to be high enough to get impact free agents. So, right. Yeah. It depends on what they would get in exchange for him. But like, there's, there's clearly some, I mean, you're at least from the outside, it looks like there's some chemistry issues and it looks like a lot of them revolve around wall. So it really might be an addition by subtraction thing, depending on what you can get for him. But that's that's ultimately the question. Like, what what could you get for him? Well, and, theoretically, even even if like Orlando stays at five, mm-hmm. and it's in the Trey Young area, yeah, 
and and Trey Young tests out well at the combine and private workouts and and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like obviously he's nowhere near the defender that John Wall is, but potentially coming in and being this like he should be an offensive like an offensive contributor right off the bat. Trey Young. Mm-hmm. I mean I I don't doubt that for at a, at all and a playmaker as well. Mm-hmm. If he comes in like Bradley Beal is going to be top dog. Mm-hmm. Otto Porter is going to be the second guy. And then Trey Young would be a guy who comes in and takes Wall's minutes and be the third guy, but on like twenty million less a year. I mean, even if he duplicates Wall's offensive production, or I should say, if he duplicates John Wall's offensive production, that just mm-hmm. gives Washington so many more layers to build around that team. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Oh man, I, it's tough because obviously you take a hit. John Wall is. Fantastic, right? He's a top five player in the East, not point mm-hmm. guard player. Mm-hmm. But that contract is not like you mentioned this a couple months back, and you've mentioned it repeatedly since. Like, only a handful should really get like the, that super duper max. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I mean, I still think John Wall, on the surface of it, is one of those guys. But when you look at the age that he'll be in mm-hmm. when he kicks in, and when you look at the fact that he's still not the knockdown shooter that you were hoped that he'd become. And then when you factor in the fact that he keeps on having issues with his teammates. And his knee injuries. And his knee knee injuries, you just kind of, collectively, it just adds up to the point where you go, well, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. I, I mean, if they stayed at five, I don't think five and Terrence Ross gets it done for a while. But if you throw a Jonathan Isaac in there, now I think we'd be talking. If you're both sides. Mm-hmm. I, I would see this is why it's a problem that he that the Magic did not pick up the fourth year option on Mario Hisonia. Hisonia, yeah, because he could have been. It's so dumb. Guy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so dumb. But I, I, I wouldn't hate adding in Jonathan Isaac. I know he was injured. I know he only played twenty seven games, but no, yeah, he's going to be good. I'm saying like he's yeah. he is a valuable piece for Washington. Right. Like Washington would value him. And he's, he's the kind of young athletic big that John Wall is talking about, ironically enough. Yeah, as, as well. But then you have Aaron Gordon, so you can right. sort of... Right. So let's just look at that. Like, let's assume that they shelf off the fifth pick, Jonathan Isaac and Chandler Ross for, for, for salary purposes. Mm-hmm. Then Orlando's core would be Fournier, John Wall, Nikola Vucevic, and Aaron Gordon, assuming you resign him, which you have to in this scenario. Yeah, right, right. I mean, Vucevic immediately is a better version than Gortat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan Fournier is not as good as Bradley Beal by any stretch of the imagination, but he plays in a similar way. Yeah. Like, he's got some of the same strengths. Then yep. you have Aaron Gordon, who is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, John Wall would like to play with those guys, I think. That I makes think so. sense. Yeah. Except Marcin Gortat has said he wants to go back and retire in Orlando. So he's then going to come back in 2019. And they're going to have the same problems all over again. That, that's but, a good one. Yeah. Yeah. But that, we can worry about that down the line. But yeah, I mean, right. I, I, overall, I think, whereas I reacted negatively to your idea of a Russell Westbrook trade for Keppa, uh, Keppa Walker and Nick Batum, I think a, a uh, John Wall trade... Does the idea of it is reasonable, and I think yeah. something like there might be something there with Orlando. I don't think that's totally unrealistic because you're you're looking at two top. I guess Isaac was number six, right? 
Yeah. You're still looking at two top six picks, most likely, plus Terrence Ross, who's who's also a lottery pick, and he's you know he he would be. Yeah, a good... on, we can't we can't say that he was a <laughs> no, lottery pick. He's know, 27. This is the Bulls' way of doing yeah. <laughs> Like for some 38 year old. Yeah. Oh, he he was yeah. drafted fifth overall in 1972. He's like a. We just think we got another draft pick. <laughs> right, but like in Orlando, I mean, he he didn't do very well in Orlando this past year. But like in Toronto, he was a valuable. Role player, I think right. he would like he could be a very good six man for the Wizards. And, and would, honestly, the Magic would so be so much better. Like, could you imagine Nick Vucevic next to yeah. John Wall? Next Those John open Wall, looks. Oh, I yeah. I kind of dig that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last question for the Wizards before we move on. Mm. Kelly Oubre, like Justice Winslow, eligible for an extension this summer. Do you think they explore that conversation, or like the Heat, should they just? <clears throat> Punt that to next year and let him test restricted free agency. No, I mean explore it. Like talk, <laughs> see yeah. what comes up. I mean, yeah. What do you think would be reasonable for him? I mean, it's so difficult when you only had one good year, you know. Mm-hmm. But he did have a good year. I mean, yeah. he didn't have a fantastic year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Nine, nine. I mean, I think it's fair for the Wiz to start out, just like start the conversation at mm-hmm. somewhere around nine to eleven million a year, and then it could go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you'll probably ask for fifteen right off the bat, right? And then they find common ground at like twelve and a half, thirteen. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I think the problem for a lot of these wings is, you know, whereas. Two years ago, all of the mm. contracts signed inflated their values, and then players could point and be like, "Hey, you know, Timofey Mozgov got sixty-four million. I'm Joe Quinoa. Yeah. I deserve more than that." Or, "Hey, Evan Turner got seventy million. I deserve more than that." Right now, you look at a guy like Robert Covington, who you know he renegotiated, so it's a little bit different. But I think he's owed something like forty, somewhere in like the forty-two to forty-five million range over the next four years starting with next season so that's you know <laughs> which is really cheap by the way right like that's 10 to 11 million a year and robert covington's a very good player like that's mm. that's probably the market value for these guys even though you know like, like yeah. kelly Oubre is not close to to covington yet though. right yeah and like Oubre but, could get there but that's yeah. what i'm saying like i think you're right like a 9 to 11 million is a reasonable place to, for the Wizards to start just using the Covington uh, renegotiation as a baseline. And I think mm-hmm. Ubre's people will tell them to go shove it up their ass and see you in restricted free agency next year. And that's fine, but yeah. honestly, he would have to have a breakout year. I mean, I, we, we've we've talked about Ubre, and I think I even said, oh, he's having a breakout year. Yeah, he had a breakout year compared to his standards. Right, relatively. He's not yeah. right. He's not turning into like a, an all star, or he didn't turn into an all star. But if he takes that second leap next mm-hmm. year and becomes like a 16, 17 point player, that changes the conversation, obviously. And then I think Washington would be fine paying yeah. for a guy who could do that. Like they would feel more certain and more secure in paying for a guy who's at that threshold instead of a guy who just wrapped up a year where he averaged 12 and four and a half. Right. I mean, well, I mean, ironically, if you look at his career progression next to Otto Porter's, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. So, like, if he continues developing along that trajectory, I mean, Otto was a much more efficient scorer 
than mm-hmm. Ubre was, but like in terms of just pure raw points per game, rebound per right. game, whatever. Right. You know, Otto took a big step forward in year three, and then took a bigger step forward in year four. Became like, you know, one of the league's leading three point shooters in terms of efficiency. So if Ubre Ubre follows along that trajectory, then oh, yeah, that's that's huge. But like the Wizards let Otto test free restrict free agency and it you could argue it came back to bite them because the Nets gave him a max offer sheet, which they then had to match. But I I mean I think you're right. I think especially again, given where they are in salary cap standing unless they trade John Wall, like the fact that they're capped out basically with four players on their roster in twenty nineteen, twenty twenty they're going to have to reevaluate everything. So I think they're going to mm-hmm. keep their books clean, let Ubre become an RFA in 2019, and then revisit it there. should also be noted that Ubre had a PER this year of 11.9. So mm-hmm. we shouldn't be quick to overrate him either. You know, yeah, I mean, right. and one final note on Washington as well. I want to see Otto Porter next year become the full-time four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't understand why they keep mocking him around at the three. Right. Well, I mean, because they have Markeith Morris. I don't care. <laughs> That's reasonable, but... I mean, he's long-armed, he's athletic, he's 6'8", he's built to be a new-age four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if they don't stick him there permanently, like, it, it, if they stand pat with this roster, I would assume Markeith Morris is going to continue playing starting at the four and Otto mm-hmm. to to his credit I mean this is just based on basketball references position estimate which is by no means and it's by no means an exact science but he played 34 percent of his minutes this year right at the four which was the highest of his career he did 30 as a rookie and then it went down he, he was almost exclusively a small forward and then it started trending back up but yeah now now he basically spent a third of his time at the four, the other two-thirds at the three. So, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think that's, especially if you're trying to get Wall, Beal, Ubre, and Otto on the floor all at the same time, that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap things up then with the Indiana Pacers, who, you know, of all the teams that we've discussed today, the Indiana Pacers have to feel probably the best about themselves. I mean, maybe the Bucks do, just because they have Giannis, and that's... You know, it's it's a pretty good trump card. But, Mm. I mean, the Pacers, you know, we, after the Paul George trade, no one, including us, I think, had them as a playoff team this year. I (laughs) I don't think we did, no. Yeah, I stupidly said, like, you know, I was wondering what they were doing with, like, the Darren Collison signing and the Bojan Bogdanovic signing because they were signed to reasonable deals. But I was like well, you're just locking yourself into, like, the 10th best team in the East. You're, like, too good to tank, but you're not good enough to make the playoffs. That proves I'm an idiot because they were the number five seed. They took LeBron James. I mean, they took him within four points of elimination in the first round, which he had never played in a game seven in the first round before. Victor Oladipo breaks out as an all-star. I mean, the clear front runner for most improved player. It looks like, you know, they... They did pretty damn well in that Paul George trade in retrospect. Baby Sabonis, too, played really mm. well. So they're in an interesting spot, actually, because they, they only have $39.9 million in guaranteed salary on the books. They have a couple guys with player options, and then they have three guys uh, with not fully guaranteed contracts. 
Bogdanovich only has 1.5 million guaranteed. Darren Collison only has 2 million guaranteed. And then Al Jefferson has 4 million guaranteed. Yeah. Um, Bogdanovich, they need to decide on by June 29th. I think it's probably safe to assume they're going to pick him up. Oh, yeah. Darren Collison, they have to decide on July 1st. You think they're going to fully or like, you know, whatever, get guarantee the rest of his salary as well? Well, I mean, we had a discussion about this before we started recording. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. He had some, some legal issues. He's 30. I mean, it's still a good deal, and he's a fine player. I mean, we saw that uh, in, in Game 7 as well. Like, it, it, It's not a knock on him. Mm-hmm. I would just wonder if you actually declined or if you waived him and you actually earned some more cap space and you also said goodbye to Al Jefferson. Right. Like, if that would free up enough cap space to make, like, a pseudo-all-star player interested in coming along and joining Vic. Like, I could see that sort of happening. I mean, I do think Oladipo is a guy who could attract attention around the league. I agree. Yeah, so Jefferson has $4 guaranteed. They Mm. can waive him uh, up until January next year. So he's the one who they have the most flexibility with, and I feel like he's the one who would be... You know, maybe, maybe they just decide to roll this core back and keep Jefferson around as like the veteran leader um, to impart more wisdom upon Sabonis and Miles Turner. But you're right. I mean, if they have if they have a guy who's interested, something tells me Paul George will not be one of them or LeBron James. <laughs> but like a Demarcus Cousins, maybe you know that could be somewhat interesting if the Pelicans, fueled by their success in this year's playoffs, really lowball him. And he decides to explore elsewhere. So, and then imagine if like that young mm-hmm. <laughs> actually opts out. Like right. we don't know. I don't think he yeah. will. I think he has a player option of thirteen point seven million. I think he opts into that. Yeah. But if he doesn't, and you hear Demarcus Cousins is like asking around. Yeah. Oh boy. Or and then Corey Joseph too. He's at seven point nine million player option. Yeah. His decision could influence what they do with Collison. Like if he. Oh yeah. Opts in. Maybe they see him as being capable of taking over as the full-time point guard, and they save eight million by letting Collison walk. Mm-hmm. Um, or I mean, they can, have Joe Young. <laughs> that's true. Uh, or conversely, if he opts out, I feel like that probably increases the chances of Collison sticking around. My guess would be, with the exception of Al Jefferson, who I think might be on the chopping block, depending on if they need to free up some cap space. I would assume otherwise. They're just going to run the same core back because why not, right? Like they were, right. they were vastly exceeded expectations. They were a forty-eight win team. You, you know, they even we don't know where LeBron's going to end up. But if LeBron leaves the Cavs, like I'd say it's between them and Milwaukee and Washington for the fourth best team in the East next year. Mm. So like they're that's fair. Yeah, there might be no harm in just like running this back, letting this core continue to develop together, seeing what you have in some of these guys. I mean, you know, this is, it's all, you you threw this system together basically on the fly starting in July and they vastly exceeded expectations. Like, you know, your, your books, if you're Indiana, your books are, I mean, almost completely clean after next season. So if you want to retool then, you know, Oladipo is signed for $21 million each of the next three seasons. Oh, he's such a steal. 
and, like, <laughs> and which we is wild to say. Which, what, right. I was just about to say, like we last year we called him a bad contract. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How quickly things change. But to be fair, I think he would have been a bad contract in Oklahoma City next to Russ. Well, like yeah. He never would have reached this level next to Russ because Russ is nope. just such a high-usage player. And it, you could make the same argument even dating back to the James Harden era. Like, James Harden would never become the MVP next to Russell Westbrook. Right. He needed to, oh. like, get on his own team and flourish. So, like, yeah, that, that Oladipo contract looked very bad at the time, but you're totally right. Like, now, I mean, getting him on a less-than-max deal. Yeah, no. Nobody saw this coming. I mean, and it is fantastic. I, I'm, yeah. sw- I am, I am eating every word that I said, yeah. and yeah. I love yeah. doing that because that's just so great for him in the game. Right. Um, twenty three points a game, leading the league in steals, five yeah. boards, four and a half assists, two threes a night. Jeez, I mean, this guy is is. If this is not, let's just hope this isn't an outlier. I oh, mean, no. I, I, don't I don't think, think so. Yeah. No, I don't think it, it is either. But, I mean, I would be very curious to see what he does next year. Like, he takes an, another leap and becomes one of those 26, point, 26 points a game scorers. Mm-hmm. Like, one of those who are at the top of the league continuously. Yeah. I mean, that is going to attract so much attention in free agency in the coming years when, as you say, they have clean books. Well, I mean, what's really... It's good for the Pacers, scary for the rest of the league. Is coming into the season, we figured if they were going to surpass expectations, it was going to be because Miles Turner's took another step forward, and he really did not. So he is also eligible for an extension this summer. What do you think the Pacers do with him? Yeah. So remember earlier, yeah, a couple months back, we actually talked about Miles Turner, mm-hmm. and I floated the idea that maybe the Pacers should trade high. While you know the perceived value of him around the league was high, mm-hmm. I have not gone away from that. Mm-hmm. Quite the oppositely, I'm I'm very much in favor of Indiana trying to before they enter into all the extension talk. Mm-hmm. See what Shopping they can get. Man. Yeah, look, I mean, he he actually took a step down this year and and a pretty significant step, and he. Didn't always show up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I just when I see him play, and I think a lot of people would agree with this. Like you expect him to do more. Yeah, like, definitely. And even and even when you look at the, like the stats, like, even from last year when he took a step up, like he was at fourteen and a half point seven rebounds, seven point three rebounds, and two point one blocks, and that was like fine. But you knew that he could shoot, and you were like, mm-hmm. he should be. He should be doing more. And then this year, it was down to 13 points a game, six boards. His minutes was cut. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't think the productivity level is high enough to, to justify, you know, spending a lot of your long-term money on him. He's yeah. basically the same per 36 statistical player that he's been since his rookie year. Roughly mm-hmm. 16 points, eight boards, and two and a half blocks a game. Oh, wow. That's freaky. Yeah, it really is almost identical in all three Almost years. identical. Yeah. Even the assist numbers, the steal numbers, it's roughly the same. Yeah. The the one big thing that went up are his three-point attempts. And he, right. to his credit, he hit 35.7% of them this year. And I yeah. think that's the thing that makes 
like basketball nerds in love with him is that he has the skill set of the unicorn. Like he mm-hmm. could be mentioned in the conversation with an Embiid and an Anthony Davis and a Porzingis, etc. But because he's in Indiana, he flies under the radar, and because he's not putting up twenty five and twelve, he's flying under the radar more so than those other guys. Right. But like you, he does have that three point shooting range on offense and then still like really good shot blocker on defense like he has that unicorn skill set so it's easy to fall in love with him and you could see if the Pacers do enter an extension with him you could see why but like I agree more it's tough to say with much conviction that the Pacers should like without hesitation max him out this summer that, that's that's kind of my thing like if you max out Carl Anthony Towns yeah. And you max out Miles Turner. <laughs> right. Right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. one guy is obviously deserving, the other one would be paying off potential. Yeah, exactly. And I I, I probably would not want to risk more than like eighty million over four years. Now that seems reasonable to me. I mean, especially yeah. if depending on how the you know, if the salary structure goes down compared to like the top free agents aside from that but like mm. a guy like Nerlens Noel turned down four years 70 million last summer I'm gonna I mean <laughs> Nerlens Noel is not getting four years 70 million this summer and Miles Turner is a better offensive player than Nerlens Noel was but I'm gonna guess a comparable offer would not be available like had Nerlens become a free agent this summer and mm. had the you know let's forget about this season but like just because there are so fewer teams with cap space, you're not going to have as many teams able to offer these big deals. Again, outside of like these really crappy teams. So, right, you know, like maybe the Bulls make a play for him, and or I guess that would be next next year. year. Yeah. yeah, and like you know, at, at that point, it's getting hard to project out as to how, which teams are going to have cap space, just because we don't know how this summer is going to play out. But, you know, maybe a team like the Lakers or the Magic or the Bulls or whatever make a play for him. And that's a risk you're willing to take if you're Indiana because you can always match whatever offer sheet he gets. But mm. I'm with you. I, I don't. I definitely don't think you offer him a max extension this summer. It would not surprise me if they say, you know, if they offer him something in that 40, 470 or 480 range. And if he turns it down, okay, like prove us wrong. Yeah. And if if you do, we're gonna match it. That's great. Like we we'll, we will happily match it at that point. But you're right. Like taking, he, I mean, he's he said this was the hardest season of his career. So if you know if he can bounce back from that, awesome. I think that's your best hope if you're right. Indiana, and that's you know it could really help that team take another huge step forward. Because if he does, you know, he did have games against Cleveland where he did come through and play really well. And it just shows you, like, shit, if he's rolling, Oladipo's rolling, Bogdanovich is hitting threes, Collison's hitting threes, Thad Young's just doing his all-around thing. This team's really good. Mm-hmm. I will say this. If his sophomore season, Miles Turner's, mm-hmm. if that's the baseline moving forward, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. What I fear is that the, you know, the basement mm-hmm. or the floor... Mm-hmm moves down even further. Yeah, that's fair. That's what I fear. That's totally fair. Yeah. 
All right, Mort, I think that's a good place to wrap things up. So thank you to everyone for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. We will have plenty more by Felicia's in the weeks to come. Uh, we just got to wait for teams to get knocked out in the second round. Until then, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. We're being hosted now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. I'm Brian Zaporik, and as always, I was joined by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Thank you, Brian. I'm looking forward to talking about Utah as a by Felicia team because based on tonight's <laughs> game against Houston, it looks like that's going to happen real soon. Yep, Utah and Pelicans, we're going to start preparing for the by Felicia segment now. <laughs> All right, later, Mort. Later. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store and now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.